You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. What is up, everybody? It is so good to see and to be with all of you this morning that are in the room. Um, For those of you that are joining with us online, we're so glad that you're tuned in this morning. It is going to continue to be an incredible day. I just want to commend you for the way that you worship this morning. My goodness, the celebration that went forth um, in this house this morning. I can tell you that um, as your pastor, I am proud and I can confirm that Jesus was honored in this place today. And that is going to continue as we proclaim his word um, here this morning. If you got your Bible, you got a smart device, uh, I want to invite you or encourage you to, uh, to turn with me or swipe with me to the New Testament. Um, we're going to be in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, so uh, Ephesians, and we're going to land in chapter 5 here in just a moment. So Ephesians chapter 5, place a finger there um, or a bookmark, and we'll land there in, in just a minute. Uh, almost 18 years later, I can still remember my wedding day. Anybody remember their wedding day? Anybody? Uh, standing at the altar, gazing deeply into my soon-to-be spouse's eyes, full of excitement and expectation and wonder. Uh, While I can't speak directly to what Sarah was thinking in those few moments before we said I do, um, I'm a traditionalist, so on that day I was thinking about our honeymoon and all the restaurants we were going to get to eat at and the things that we were going to get to see and experience together and and but mostly um, I was I was really thinking about what was going to take place after that moment when we started our life together afterward and and how I would come home from a long hard day's work at my very high paying job And find a home-cooked meal waiting for me on the stove with the floors freshly vacuumed and the laundry done and neatly folded and put away. Yes, I can tell you that in that moment, it was going to be magical. It was going to be magical. A few weeks after that, um, I had come home from work and I was in the process of vacuuming our bedroom And I bent over to pick up a pair of my dirty socks that were in the way because I didn't want them to get sucked up into the vacuum. And I realized that I was getting hungry. It was getting close to dinner time. And so um, I uh, asked Sarah what we were having for dinner. And her reply led me to pull out my phone and check the bank account to see how much money we had so that I could take her out to a lovely night on the town because she was not cooking anything. That evening, and so uh, when I checked the bank account, I realized very quickly that I needed to also go and check the couch cushions to see if there were any loose coins, uh, because my very high-paying job as a youth pastor um, had had let me let me down. Uh, moments later, 
Sarah and I were in the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A. Hey, I told you it was going to be magical. The reason we were in the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A is because Sarah didn't care where we went, but she didn't want Burger King or McDonald's or Arby's or Taco Bell or KFC or Crystal or any of those other places that I so humbly offered as possible suggestions for us to go and partake of food that evening. I got my usual at Chick-fil-A, a 12-count meal with fries and a tea. Sarah got the chicken strips, entree only, because she didn't want any fries. And so there we were, and I found myself once again staring deeply into my beloved's eyes, just gazing upon her unmatched beauty, eating my nuggets and what few fries I had left after she ate all the ones that she didn't want. (laughs) And I came to the realization that this is marriage. This is it. The difficulty with that is that for most people, we enter into our marriage relationships thinking things are going to be one way, only to get into it and realize that it's nothing like what we thought it was going to be in the first place. And at the risk of incorrectly lumping everyone into the same group here this morning, if if you're here and your marriage is perfect and it's exactly what you thought it was going to be on the back end as you believed it was going to be on the front end and, and you never have any issues with your spouse, there's never any communication breakdown, everything is just sunshine and rainbows, then congratulations, you are probably on day one of your honeymoon or you are just living your life in denial. (laughs) And if you're neither on day one of your honeymoon or living in denial, then perhaps I should sit down and you should come up here and take the reins for the rest of today's message. Uh, But as I look around this morning, I don't see any takers for that. Um, So I guess I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that like me, Somewhere along the way, your marriage relationship hasn't always turned out exactly the way that you anticipated. And you've discovered that having a thriving and healthy marriage takes a whole bunch of hard work and it's not always super fun. And I think that one of the primary reasons that it is this way is because a lot of us have an inappropriate view of what marriage is going to be or what it's supposed to be before we get into it. We look at marriage in terms of what it's going to add to us instead of looking at what we can add to it. And when we take that viewpoint, we end up getting ourselves behind the eight ball before we even get started. Today, we're wrapping up a series called The One, where we've been taking a look at the topic of marriage from a biblical perspective. And here in our culture in particular, we place a great deal of pressure on other people uh, or on ourselves to, to find our one and on other people an even greater amount of pressure on them to 
to perhaps become or be our one. But instead of looking at the externals in this series, we've turned things to look internally. How can we become the one that God is calling us to be for our one? And rather, uh, whether we are uh, a single or dating or newlyweds or we've been married for 100 years The stuff that the Bible has to say about marriage and relationships applies to every single one of us at each of those stages. In part one, we talked about the difference between contracts and covenants. And we highlighted that marriage is a covenant relationship that is designed by God. And then last week in part two, we talked about the connection between purity and unity and how a lack of purity in marriage destroys the unity of the marriage. And if you missed either of those messages, you can go back and listen to our podcast or you can watch on our YouTube channel. And while you're there, go ahead and like and subscribe and do all that stuff so that you don't miss out on future messages or content. Um, But today we're going to wrap up this series by talking um, about a couple things that, that... uh, often when we see them in scripture, they're usually, uh, they're usually hooked or connected together. And that's um, the topics of servanthood and sacrifice. Servanthood and sacrifice. The good news for all of us here this morning is that even if we have zero clue what a great marriage is supposed to be or what it's supposed to look like, the Bible provides us with some pretty clear examples After all, marriage is God's design, and so he gets to dictate the terms and the guidelines for how it is supposed to operate. And in Ephesians chapter 5, where you've hopefully turned already, the Apostle Paul talks to us about some of those things and begins to paint a picture for what this marriage relationship is supposed to look like. And so Ephesians chapter 5, picking up in verse 21, Paul says this, and further... Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. And Paul continues, as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we often enter into marriage with incorrect expectations or or presuppositions. And, And here is one of the examples from scripture where the Bible is providing us with a model for how things are supposed to work. But the problem is, is that we don't like what that model requires of us all of the time. And the reason for that is because it's not easy and it can often be uncomfortable. And so what you and I tend to do is we'll do things our own way instead. We'll deny the fact that God's way is the best way. And that if we do things God's way, it's going to set us up for success. And instead, we'll choose to do things our own way, which will set us up for failure. The truth is, is that if we're unable or unwilling to follow God's plan for marriage, that it would have been way better for us to not get married in the first place. 
And so if you plan to get married someday, or if you are already married, you have a choice in front of you. You can do things God's way, or you can do things your own way. The question is, which outcome do you want to end up at? What, what do you want the outcome for your life and for your marriage to be? So let's just pretend that you're at least a little bit intrigued. That your, your curiosity is piqued just ever so slightly. Suppose that, that you did want to live your life and, and do marriage God's way. The question you're no doubt asking is, well, how do I go about that? And that is a great question and, and where I'd really like to spend the next few moments of our time here this morning. Uh, talking about a couple of the defining characteristics of marriage God's way. Defining characteristics of marriage God's way. And so if you're taking notes this morning, uh, the first one of those characteristics is mutual submission. Mutual submission. In our Ephesians 5 passage uh, there at, in, in verse 21, we read where Paul says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so when, when I, I was thinking about this, um, I got to thinking about football. And I, I came up with the question, I began to wonder, which member of a football team is the most important? Which member of a football team is the most important? And so naturally, I thought, it's the quarterback, right? It's the quarterback. But, but the quarterback would be nothing if the center were not there to snap him the ball and get the play started. But then again, if it wasn't for the quarterback, the center would have no one to snap the ball to. But then I thought, you know, without a running back back there, the quarterback would have no one to hand the ball off to. And without the offensive line, the running back would have no, no one to create holes for him to run through. And... Then without wide receivers or tight ends, the run blocking would be suspect and perhaps the game would become one-dimensional because you'd always be running and never passing and that would make things potentially less effective. And I just spent a whole lot of time sitting in my office going, you know, I don't really think that there is a most important person on the football team. And the point of all of this is that each member of the team carries an equal amount of importance. They, they all play their different role, which when done in unity together, that's what makes the team successful. It's not because of any one individual. It's, it's each person coming together, playing the role that they were designed and put out there on the field to play, which leads to the success of the team. And the same thing is true for our marriages. Men are not superior to their wives. Women are not inferior to their husbands. Rather, each of us, both husband and wife, we were created in the image of God and we were des designed with a specific purpose in regard to the role that we are to play within the marriage relationship. And as a reminder, our, our definition of marriage looks like this. And, and it, takes, it takes two people. Um, marriage is one man and one woman. Yes, I spelled those correctly. One man and one woman. That's the kind of church that we are. If that's not how you are, then there's a, other churches in here that may think differently. 
um, other churches in our city, but we are a church that believes in the biblical definition of marriage as one man and one woman coming together as one flesh for one lifetime. That is God's definition of marriage. And within that definition, neither the husband or the wife, neither the man nor the woman are the most important part of that equation. The most important part of that equation is the union, the the one flesh between them. And in order for that union to take place and to thrive over the long term, both the husband and the wife have to bring something to give to the marriage. It's not something they take away from it. It's something they bring to offer, to give to the marriage. And it's equally important, though certainly different. And the things that they bring help to support the the four elements of the marriage relationship. And these four elements are the emotional element, the social element, the physical element, and the spiritual element. It's these four elements that make up the, the marriage relationship and make it so special, make it something to be desired by us. The, the emotional element of marriage is fulfilled um, through uh, God's command in Genesis 2.18. He says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. We have these emotions inside of us that we were, we were created to, to need the, the community of the relationship, the love and the care and the desire for someone else. That's how God designed us from the beginning. The social element um, comes to us out of Genesis 1.28 where God blessed Adam and Eve and said, be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and govern it, that we have a responsibility that part of, part of marriage is for us to come together and, and to procreate, to, to have offspring that's going to continue to populate the earth and, and, and carry out our legacy as human beings. It's part of God's design for us to have children within the boundary of the marriage relationship. The physical element of marriage comes to us out of 1 Corinthians 7, verses 3 and 4. It says, The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. That's how we were created. We, we were created by God who placed those desires in us to be directed toward our spouse and for us to come together as one flesh in accordance with his design and to take part in the physical act of, of, of sex and intercourse so that we could be intimate with one another. That is, that is God's design. And he said, this is, I'm, I'm going to create this, and I'm going to put this in you, and then I'm going to give you this relationship in order to do that so that your need for that can be met and fulfilled by your partner. And it's this beautiful boundary that God has placed. That. And he said, in the, inside of this boundary, that kind of relationship, that kind of intimacy and connectivity will remain holy and righteous as long as it's done inside of that boundary. And then finally, the spiritual element of marriage, which we read earlier, Ephesians 5, 21, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So there's an emotional element, a social element, a physical element, and a spiritual element that make up the whole of what our marriage relationship is based on. 
And the only way that each of these elements are going to become realized and remain intact is, is through this act uh, of reciprocity through mutual submission. Husbands, you have a responsibility in your marriage for your wife. Wives, you have a responsibility in your marriage for your husband. And, and mutual submission looks like this. Mutual submission is each for the other, both for the Lord. You'll realize that, that there's no selfishness. There's, there's, no, there's no self-serving thing in there that, that, is, that is all pointed towards towards the outside. It's what we can bring, what we can give, what we can offer to the other person. And as a result, how that honors and glorifies God in the process. It's, it's mutual submission is, I serve you, you serve me, everyone gets their needs met, and God is honored in the process. It's a win, win, win. I love this quote from Pastor Ed Young Jr., he says, love flourishes in a marriage when both partners are working to meet the needs of the other. And the Bible is clear as to how we're to go about this through fulfilling the role that God created us to fulfill within the boundaries of our marriage relationship. And this begins with love serving as the foundation of the relationship. And as we will see, love plays out in a couple different ways, which leads us to the second and really the second and third, but as I told you, often they're connected together in the scriptures, characteristic of marriage done God's way. While the first is mutual submission, the second and also third would be servanthood and sacrifice. Servanthood and sacrifice. In Romans 12, verse 10, the Apostle Paul tells us, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Granted, when he's writing this, he's talking about our relationships as a whole, but make no mistake, the marriage relationship is one of the primary ways through which this is exemplified in the life of the believer, that we love each other and that we honor each other. And here's how that plays out. When we look at the whole of Scripture and we begin to break this down, what does it look like to love each other? What does it look like to honor each other within the confines of our marriage relationship? We see that there's some directives given to wives. We've already read out of Ephesians 5 where it talks about wives submitting to your husband who is the head of your family, the head of the marriage, just like Christ is the head of the church. This is confirmed and reinforced in, in other areas of Scripture. Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. 1 Peter 3.1 In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Some translations would even say, submit to your husband. Titus 2, verses 4 and 5. Older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. 
It's there time and time and time again that the role that the wife plays in the marriage relationship is to be submissive to her husband. And this word submit, it, it's actually the Greek word um, hippotasso. Hippotasso. And it means to arrange under, to subordinate to, uh, the, uh, or to subject oneself or or to obey. So to arrange under, to subordinate, to subject oneself, or, or to obey. And it's actually um, a Greek military term, meaning to arrange, speaking of, of troop divisions, in a military fashion under the leadership or the, the command of a leader. But in non-military use, it was a voluntary attitude that was taken on of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. So what this communicates as the wife's responsibility within the relationship, within the marriage relationship, is, is first, proper alignment with your spouse, which is sacrifice. It means that you don't get to just do things your way, that there's two people that are part of this marriage, and God is at the center of them. And so how one person behaves affects the other person. And so both of you have to be in alignment, moving in the same direction in order for this thing to work. So it's proper alignment with your spouse, which is sacrifice, and then it's dedicated support of your spouse, which is servanthood, okay? So you got sacrifice and servanthood at play here in terms of the wife's responsibility as she submits to her husband. Now, husbands, we also have a responsibility. And it's, it's easy, and, and there's been a lot of well-meaning people to take that, that passage or those passages talking about uh, wives being submissive to their husbands. And, and what they've done is, um, in error, they've used that to... Um, assert their authority in ways that it was never intended uh, to take place. And instead of loving and caring and honoring, loving for and caring for and honoring their wives, they've ended up belittling and putting them down and, and ostracizing them and making them feel less than, than what they were created to be and diminish the value that God had has placed in them. So, so don't hear what I'm not saying this morning because we do, husbands, we have a responsibility and the Bible is, is clear about that. In Colossians 3, 19, it says, husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Yes, you are the authority of your home, but you have a responsibility to wield that authority properly. And not mistreat your spouse, your, your wife, and treat her harshly in the process. 1 Peter 3, 7. In the same way, you husbands give honor to your wives. So first this is, husbands, you, you need to love your wives. And then secondly, you need to give honor to your wives. And so when we look at that word love, we, we see in the Greek it's, it's agape. And this means love without conditions. It's, it's, not, it's not eros love, which is love based on sexual attraction. It's not phileo love, which is brotherly love. It's not storge love, which is love between family members, like a mother to a child. 
It is sacrificial love. It is love without condition. It is love even when they are unlovable, even when they don't deserve it, even when they've turned their back on you. It is the kind of love that Jesus Christ demonstrated for the church when he went to the cross and died for our sins. That is the kind of love, husbands, that you and I are responsible to love our wives with. And secondly, we're called to honor our wives. And honor in the Greek is the word time. It's the word time. And it means valuing by which the price is fixed or deference, which, which is respectful submission or yielding to the judgment, opinion, or will of another. It's, it's to, to approach someone in reverence. And where agape love is the sacrifice, the time, the honor, that is the servanthood aspect. So wives, as we've shown, and as the Bible is clear, you've been called to demonstrate both servanthood and sacrifice in your marriage relationship. Husbands, you too, through loving and honoring your wife, have been called to serve her and to sacrifice for her. And as Warren Wearsby says, he says this, He says, as two people live together in holy matrimony, the experience either brings out the best in them or the worst in them. It's an opportunity to exercise faith, hope, and love and to mature in sacrifice and service to one another for God's glory. It says it right there. It's an opportunity for us to operate in sacrifice and service Toward one another, each for the other, both for the Lord, for God's glory. Now watch this. At the Last Supper, when Jesus is, is spending his last few living moments on this earth with his disciples, the disciples begin arguing over who's the greatest, who's the most important among them. And this is what Jesus tells them in, in Mark chapter 10. Starting with verse 42, it says, So Jesus called his disciples together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. He says, But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So right there in that passage, what what are the, the defining characteristics of Jesus' ministry? It's servanthood and sacrifice. And see, the relationship between Jesus and his church should be mirrored by the relationship between husband and wife. Husbands and wives, along with everyone in the church, are called to submit to one another, mutual submission, out of reverence for Christ, but not in the same identical way. The church submits to Christ by recognizing him as the head and following after his leadership, while Christ submits to the church by loving her, taking on the form of a slave, giving himself up for her and presenting her as holy and blameless to the Father. 
So when Paul compares the wife to the church and the husband to Christ, he's saying that the ways in which their mutual submission is expressed will be different. The woman will follow her husband's lead in the relationship, which requires servanthood and sacrifice. And the man will exercise his leadership in the marriage by loving his wife and serving her, which requires servanthood and sacrifice. To serve and to sacrifice for your spouse means to submit to Jesus in every way. We can't have one without the other. You, you can't serve your spouse and submit to them the way that you've been called to if you aren't first serving and submitted to Christ. The way that it's designed to work is that if a wife submits to her husband, then his needs are met. And if a husband loves his wife and gives himself for her, then her needs are met. Everyone wins, both sides are fulfilled, God is honored, all according to doing it his way based on his design. So let me see if I can break this down into just a nugget of practical application for you here as we bring this message to a close this morning. How, how do we say yes to submission? Because that is, when you, when you think about it, and we hear that word like submission, like there's there's pain and there's discomfort and mm, I don't really like that. So how do, we, how do we say yes to submission? And it's something that, that I, I've come to label as creating a yes culture, creating a yes culture. And it's something that, that Sarah and I, we attempt to do um, with some success in our own home and in our own marriage. And it's a challenge that I, would, that I would extend to you this morning is to, um, to, to begin to, to think how you can create a yes culture in your marriage relationship. And so creating a yes culture is exactly what it sounds, is that when, when your spouse has a need that they need you to meet, your answer is yes, yes. That's what it looks like to create a yes culture. Now, there, there's some, some questions, some, some guidelines that go along with it. And so if, if your spouse has a need for you to meet, then some questions that you could ask just to be sure that things are appropriate and, are in, and, and in line would be number one, is it biblical? Is this need, is this desire, is it, is it in keeping with the scriptures? Is it not illegal or immoral, right? Like, no, no, honey, I need you to go rob this bank for me. You know, like none of that. Yes, you know. So is it, is it biblical? Number two, when, you're, when your spouse has a need, do, do I or do we have the means to be able to meet that need? Like, Am I physically able or are we financially able or, you know, go buy me a new Lamborghini. Okay, honey. You know, like it might not be that, you know, we might not be financially able. We'll have to settle for the Porsche instead. I'm sorry. So is it biblical 
Do we have the, the feasible means to do it? And then thirdly, do I have the proper attitude? Do I have the proper attitude? Is, is me saying yes to this and me serving my spouse in this capacity, is it so that I can honor God in this relationship? Or, or is it because I'm placing conditions on it or I'm trying to leverage it for the next thing that I'm going to need down the road? Okay, there, there's a fine line there. And so two of those are kind of external questions. Is, is it biblical? And do we have the means, physical, financial, otherwise? But then that third one is important, is it's to look inside. Is, is me meeting this need? Am I doing it because I want to honor God by honoring my spouse? And because I, I want to serve them and just play my part the way that God has called me to? Or am I attaching conditions to it? Or looking at how I'm gonna, I'm gonna use it going forward to get something that I want in return. And so, if we can check all of those boxes, then it should be really easy to say yes. If it's biblical, if I have the means, and if I have the proper attitude, then the natural outcome of that should be say yes. Yes, of course, honey, I will do that. And so if it's yes, then say yes and follow through in a reasonable time frame. And a tip, some of you might be scratching your heads right now, you know, I'm not really sure what my spouse needs. Here's a tip. This is for free. If you don't know what your spouse needs, ask them. Just tuck that one away for later on a rainy day. So here's your homework. Today at lunch, ask your spouse what's something that you can do to serve them better this week. And then do everything that you possibly can, assuming it aligns with being biblical and, you know, all of those things. Then do everything that you possibly can to meet that need this week pretty simple. What if I'm not married? Well, then ask how you might serve a friend or a family member or a coworker or a neighbor. And then when they tell them, hey, this is something I need, assuming it meets all those criteria, do it. Well, what if, what if I'm just a teenager? What if I'm just a kid? Well, then today at lunch, teenagers, kids, Ask your parents or a sibling, if you want to get really racy, <laughs> how can I serve you? How can I help to meet a need in your life? And then when they tell you, do the checklist. Don't try to find the loopholes as to why helping your brother clean his room isn't biblical. <laughs> it's biblical, have the, have the means. Proper, proper attitude and motive, then, then do it. Create a yes culture. Imagine what might happen if we chose to live this way. 
If we chose to adopt the way that Jesus lived, and he said, hey, when I came to this earth, I'm all about servanthood and sacrifice. What if we adopted that kind of thing for our life and chose to create a yes culture in our relationships? How might our marriages improve over the coming months if we chose servanthood and sacrifice through creating a yes culture? How might the atmospheres of our homes become different? How might others on the outside of the faith looking in on us, how might it change their perspective of what it means to be a Christ follower as a result? If we chose to live this way, if we chose, we're we're gonna be people uh, of the yes culture. If we chose to begin living that way, what kind of chain reaction might start in our church and in our community as a result of you and I choosing to honor God and and honor our spouses and the people that we're in relationships with by, by purposefully and intentionally coming to the point where we can say yes to meeting the needs of other people. I'll leave you with this before we pray. In a situation like this, it is easy to say, yeah, that's something that I want for my marriage. That's something that I want for my relationship. And as soon as my spouse makes the decision for us to do that, we'll do it. Don't wait. You be the initiator for change in your relationship. You take that first step. You put yourself out there on a limb. But what if they don't reciprocate? That's that's not up to you your responsibility is your responsibility you leave their responsibility up to God the thing that you've been called to do the way that God has designed you as husband or wife the the role that he's called you to play the 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 thing that you bring to the table remember our marriages are not about what we get from it it's about what we bring to it you'll bring this to your marriage to your relationships and I can guarantee they're going to get better on purpose for God's glory amen let's pray heavenly father we thank you that even in the greatest areas of difficulty in our lives the things that even your word call mysterious. Lord, that you've given us guidelines and guardrails to follow. Lord, I pray that in our marriage relationships, Lord, that we would be a people that would seek not for what that that marriage could bring to us, what we could get out of it, but then instead we would seek to do your will by bringing something to it and by investing in it. And Lord, that you would unite us with our spouse and that, that you would be at the center of that and that, that three, uh, the three-stranded cord would not easily be broken. And Lord, through our willingness to create a yes culture, to, to submit to our spouse through servanthood and sacrifice, 
Lord, that we would be shining examples to the world around us that is lost and hurting and broken and dying and going to hell. Lord, that we would be examples for them of what it means to truly live as Christ followers and that, that our example of choosing to create that yes culture in our, in our hearts and in our lives and in our relationships and our marriages and our homes, Lord, that it would inspire them to turn their eyes toward you and that through our efforts, not only would we be blessed, but that we could serve as a blessing for other people and that we could show them that your way is the best way. God, I pray that you would use us. Give us the, the courage and the boldness to step out in faith and to go first. And that we would embrace the roles that you've given us to play within our marriages and other relationships. And God, as, as we do those things your way, Lord, that you would bring blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Lord, help us to engage in mutual submission and to surrender to your plan for our lives in accordance with the design and the principles and the guidelines of your word. It's in your most holy name that we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.